Hey Dragons, welcome back to part two of our coverage from Nightmare Nights uh, out in Dallas. This episode has three interviews, the first being a press conference style interview with M.A. Larson, a writer on My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, until about halfway through season five. So really good conversation with him, a lot of different voices on that one, a lot of different questions from a lot of great a lot of great interviewers. The second part is a interview with Vincent Tong, um, who plays Flash Sentry on My Little Pony, as well as does some various background voices. And he was also Matsuda in Death Note. And what's cool about that interview is <laughs> I convince him to tell me the ending of Death Note. And so you guys get to see my live reaction on that. <laughs> the last interview is with comic author Jen Blake. She wrote some of the Friends Forever My Little Pony series, as well as does an independent comic that's coming out sometime next year called Dressed to Kill. And she has labeled it as Die Hard with Lesbians. So I hope you enjoy that one. Just so you know, there is a little bit of adult language in the latter two segments with Vincent and Jen. Um, so just please be aware, if you don't want to listen to that, stop listening around the 40-minute mark. Other than that, enjoy the show. Workout nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice. Rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker. Fighting dragons in my mind. Doing. Are okay. you surprised at the success amongst an older crowd, specifically an older male crowd of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic? You mean now or at the beginning? At the beginning. Like, what were your first impressions when this blew up with us? Um, all right, I'll tell you the. I feel like I've told the story many times, but I'll tell you again because it's a good one. This guy's never been to a pony con. Oh, really? Yeah, it's our first pony. Oh, cool. Con. Okay. Very excited. So it was um, because there's such a lag between when you write an episode and when it airs. I was at a story meeting for, I think it was um, the one where Spike turns big. Yeah. Um, and Lauren Faust, she started talking about it, that there's this fan base. And she wrote 4chan on this paper and gave it to me. And she's like, check this out. <laughs> and I lost it and kind of forgot all about it until the next story meeting, uh, Super Speedy Cider Squeezy. And she showed me this video of, um, it's like a day camp in Russia like 50 Russian kids, teenage guys doing arts and crafts or whatever in the middle of the forest and the camera's <laughs> going around and you hear all this Russian and it comes on these two dudes with guitars and they start playing winter wrap up and then they all start singing winter wrap up with these thick Russian accents and I was sitting there like, what, like, what the, this is Russia, this doesn't make any sense at all. Um, that's, that was my first exposure to it was, was that and it was sort of mind blowing and then going to conventions um, the first convention I went to was incredible. There was a really small uh, one in Chicago. It wasn't until the second one that was quite a bit bigger and people started telling me their stories and how they got into it that I really understood how it all worked. Because I, I don't know anything about fandoms. I still don't really understand <laughs> fandoms. <laughs> Trust me, you've been here for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, so not just 
Bronies, but Phantoms in general are totally new to me. Really? Yeah. I was never like into sci-fi or Star Trek. I'd never seen Star Trek. I kept getting assigned these episodes. Like um, my first one was Swarm of the Century, which is basically the Tribbles. Yeah. I'd never seen that. I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it. And then uh, Return of Harmony, Lauren, Lauren was like, we should base Discord off Q from Next Generation. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, so I watched all those episodes. Um, but I don't, I, I was never involved in any fandom kind of thing. So it was all very new to me. And it was interesting to see the crossover. Like, there's a lot of Doctor Who fans yeah. who are also those anime fans, video game fans. There's a lot of crossover fandoms. Because uh, at first I thought it just kind of sprouted up out of nowhere. But then the more I learned about it, the more I was like, oh, it's sort of connected to these other groups and fandoms and interests and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, now it's six years in and it's still weird. I'm a bit more used to it, obviously. <laughs> I've been to like 17 conventions or something like 16, yeah. 17, um, I think around the world. So I've been exposed to a lot of fans and uh, heard their stories. So it's still unbelievable. I mean, it's that the panel this morning, I don't know if you guys were there, where the question was, do you remember? It was... Uh, what was the most impactful moment? Yeah. Yeah, like the that. most impactful thing you've encountered with the fandom or something like that. And down the line, everybody had some story. Um, and I've got a bunch of those. There's so many of them that are so moving. Uh, I don't even remember you originally asked me. Just what's it like? Just yeah, I know, were you surprised at all? And that totally answers yes. the question. I had a great moment earlier this year. I went to a convention in Chicago, um, and I've got you know you can't help get a little jaded after a while. You you know you go to conventions and you kind of forget that initial emotion and spark of it. But I went to this one in Chicago. There was a guy there who was in a wheelchair, and he he had like burns on ninety percent of his body. He couldn't really move. He could talk, and he was just like a normal guy. But he had been horribly burned, and I think he lost his legs. And his caregiver was there with him, and I was chatting with him over the course of the weekend. And finally, on the last day, we were doing our final panel, and the caregiver started. She like raised her hand, and she's like, "I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say." And then she gave. She broke down in tears and was like, "This is the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of." Um, Seeing how everybody just accepted this guy who get who would get all these looks, you know, out in public. Yeah. Um, and nobody cared. He was just one of the one of the one of the, the fans. Yeah. yeah. And um she was just in tears and she at the end she's like, You made a new brony this weekend out of me and so she's gotten into it. That's um, awful. and that was such a great moment of like, Oh, that's right, like this is brand new for her and I get to see it through her eyes what it was like and it's just the same as it was when it was new for me so it was a really cool reminder of of how awesome this all is after six years uh, yeah it's just, it's unbelievable I, I i don't want to take up all the questions i just have so many i i was wondering like now that you've been immersed from this other side of the fandom are you ready to you ready to get on the other side maybe like a, a tv show you like you ready to dress become up? a fan become a fan <laughs> dress up as a, in a cosplay now that i know what it's like you know, <laughs> Uh, my wife and I just recently got into the fandom. We uh, started in March and Netflix caught all the way up. How do we now deal with season six ending until we get more ponies? That's an excellent. Yeah, you guys have all been through this, right? The hiatus. Yeah. Uh, six times, yes. Yeah, and some of them. What was the big one? Between three and four? 
Right. It was like a year and a half yes. or something, some ridiculous. They only had 24 episodes. Yeah. Th- not 24. 13. 13. 13. 13. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's different for me because there's such a lag, you know, there's a year between. Yeah. And you're like, I get to go on vacation. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you'd have to ask the fans that. Yeah, ask these guys after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, covering drama. That's, yeah, that's yeah, much. <laughs> but it does, it is a bummer for my end because I like, I'm on Twitter all the time. Yeah. And, and during the season, there's a lot of activity and it does slow down yeah. a bit in the hiatus and you're like, oh, we need new content. Um, to kind of feed the fandom to the sure. artists and the everybody else works off of the show as a base. So it's always nice when there's new things to yeah. spark. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I have enough of the comic that I'm behind. Right. So now while I'm waiting, I can just read There's that and now there's that. the spinoffs, the Equestria Girls and the other yeah. one. And <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never seen it. Can't comment on it. <laughs> but it exists. So there's a lot more... Uh, and of course, the fan. There's tons of fan content too. So, has the uh, success of, of you know the show and, and your writing has that has that changed your your creative process or, or uh, made you look into doing you know other things? I know you wrote you wrote your book and you wrote yeah. the academy. Is, you know has 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 what you've experienced with with friendship as magic been you know impactful on you? Of course, yeah, no question about it. Um, Penarill Academy started before My Little Pony. You know, I pitched it in 2006 to Disney Channel. And we, we were doing it as a cartoon for a while. It's before I even met Lauren, or maybe right around when I met her. Um, so My Little Pony didn't even exist at that point. And it just took so long to do. But it's funny because that my book and the show are both about a group of girls primarily becoming friends and learning about friendship and learning their place in the world. So there's that kind of... I noticed that commonality definitely working on both of them. Um, I said this at the panel this morning. It's changed me personally because I have horrible social anxiety and I can come to something like this and just pretend that I'm like, that I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, quite literally would through all my school, even through college in a room, like if we sit in a room like this and the teacher's like, go around and say your name, I would start panicking. Like, if it started with you and going this way, the closer it got to me, I'd be, like, shaking and turning red and sweating just to say my name in front of, like, eight people. Oh, wow. Uh, it was horrible. And the more that I knew it was coming, the more it, the worse it would get. You know, you couldn't, I couldn't stop my heart racing and that kind of thing. And now I can just sit here and do this. I can, you know, the Brody Con, I was on a stage in front of, like, 8,000 people, and it didn't matter. I, I've just gotten comfortable with it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's really changed me that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just a, my own personal thing, but in terms of writing, um, again, I said this this morning, but the, I study Lauren's show Bible for this show. It's one of the two best of this and the wire, the two best and Battlestar Galactica. There's three best show Bible I've ever seen. The My Little Pony show Bible so complete and beautiful. She had it all figured out the way the characters interact with each other. You can just look at it and see, oh, this is how you do it. This is how you put together not just a show, but like a world. Um, so I learned a ton from her. She's one of my heroes. I love her. Following up on the show, Bible, um, you've been with the show for quite a while through, at least like halfway through season five, I believe. Right. It was. Um, how have you seen the show kind of diverge from that show, Bible, and how have you seen it kind of come back to it? 
this is it's always weird for writers because there's a there's a very strange um, it's not strange actually I get it the the fans see the show as a unified whole from our perspective it's all scattered you know the writers are in Los Angeles Tara Strong is in Los Angeles and John Delancey is in Los Angeles everybody else is in Vancouver um, and the executives are all in LA so that part's broken up I don't even meet these people until we come to a convention uh, and even the other writers we're all freelance so we're not in a room together we're all you get your episode and you go away I don't see Amy unless we come halfway across the country and we live in the same town you know Discord is, is my favorite example because I've only written one Discord episode it was Return of Harmony and he has obviously changed a lot and been written a lot since then but I have nothing to do with that so when people are like, why is Discord doing this? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't have anything. That, I didn't come up with that. I didn't write that. I don't know what they discussed in, in the meeting. I wasn't privy to it. And it's hard when you come back then after and you have to try to give an example of this. When I came back, because I wasn't on season four. When I came back for season five, if I had to do an episode with somebody who had changed greatly. I'm trying to think. Maybe Magic Duel season three? Trixie. Okay, well... That's different because I was on the other side of it. I took somebody else's character and wrote the next episode for that. Chris Savino came, was the writer of that one. Maybe Discord. I didn't write Make Me Friends, but Keep Discord, the gal episode. I didn't write it, but I story edited it, so I did work on him in that episode. And we did have some problems because, from, from my perspective, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of what they've done with him. He... I think he's much more interesting if he has that. I don't mind him becoming, you know, more friendly and making an effort, but I think he has to have that menace. He has to have the ability to constantly be able to snap back to who he used to be. And he's trying to overcome that. So I wanted to push him darker in that episode. And they kept saying, no, he's not like that anymore. Um, that's where the sock puppet thing came in. Um, <laughs> that was, I didn't have anything to do with that. That, that was much darker in my version. <laughs> Um, so that's an example of like he's moved on the character has moved on without me because I just haven't you know I've written episodes in the meantime but not a discord episode so other people were doing that and we don't have a staff where we sit in a room like this and all talk about it and get on the same page we're all freelance so you kind of have to come in and be like oh who is he now what have they done or Luna is another example the Luna that I wrote in Lunar Eclipse is not bears no resemblance to the Luna now and if I had to write a Luna episode now, I wouldn't have the first clue how to do it. <laughs> I really wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to do. So it's it's really hard in that sense. Again, I can't remember what you initially asked me. Hopefully I answered it. I uh, got a question. Um, you said that they just chose, gave writers episodes and told them to go, was there a selective process? Were like, oh, hey, this person might write this episode, or was it just like a lottery? Lauren told me that she tried in the in the beginning to pair us with the episode. Um, cause Lauren, had, Lauren in the first season had worked with all of us before all the writers. Um, so she, she intentionally tried to pair up. Oh, I know Amy would be good at this kind of whatever it is, this friendship. She'd do well with that. Um, but then, you know, as the schedule started rolling along and we get into a rotation, she couldn't really do that anymore. You know, what, if a premise is approved, she would just kind of assign it particularly in season two, which was my favorite season because there was only five writers. And uh, at the story meeting, she's like, we're going to get a freelancer to fill a sixth slot. And all five of us like, no, we want to do the whole season. Just let us do it. We want more episodes. 
And it works so beautifully. I would fi- be finishing the second draft of an episode and starting the next one. It just rolled perfectly the whole season long. Um, and it was great. It was five of us. We got to do more of them. I think I wrote six episodes that season, something like that. And it was just whatever Lauren had approved. This is the one you're doing next. So, you know, Lunar Eclipse wasn't my idea. They were given, they gave me the premise. They got it approved and gave it to me to write. Like, cool. Okay. I'll do the Luna one. So I got really lucky with the ones I was assigned. I, I got handed some fantastic premises. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that speaks to your talent to be flexible and do what might be unexpected, but going off just a certain prompt and then yeah. filling it in. And it is a premise. If you haven't seen, it's four or five sentences. It's the basic idea. And then you go into a room and you're like, what do we do? How do we turn this into half an hour? So it, it is a lot of construction in the room. And the premise is just, you know, the yeah, yeah. basic. When you turn on your your um, cable or whatever, it's the description in the little yeah, box. In the box. That's the premise. So it's not a whole lot to go off. In fact, I looked at the Return of Harmony premise because I did a panel on it. And all it said about Discord was Discord, the mischievous spirit of chaos returns. So there was n- that was it. <laughs> That's all we had to go on when we went into the room. Well, all right. <laughs> so it, it is a lot of like figuring it out in the room, but there's strong premises that I got assigned. So, are you affiliated with the motion picture for next year at all? Are you doing any work on nope. that? Do you know any spoilers? I read the script. Really? <laughs> Nobody knows that. Then we're not recording this, right? <laughs> One of the actors slipped me the script. Do you know any spoilers of anything at all? No. Yeah, I do, but I'm not going to gonna tell you. Not just, not just Pony, I mean anything. No. Oh, of other shows? <laughs> the Tenth Doctor dies. <laughs> um, no, it's really, again, it's really segmented. Equestria Girls is another example. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't know anything about it. It's totally different, right? Well, it's not totally different writers. It is writers from My Little Pony. But you were still playing for it. Yes, yeah, I know. I know. And I've never even seen it. And the movie, I don't have any. I get tweets all the time about the movie, and I have nothing to do with it. Well, my one question is, since you've read the script, are you excited about it? Are you excited to see what they're going to bring up? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. There you go. It's also, I know for a fact, has changed a lot from what I read. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know how, but I know that it has changed a lot. I read a really early draft. Okay. Like changed in the way the Super Mario Brothers from the 90s script changed? (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll see. Don't don't bring that up. Uh, We actually had this conversation and the con that shall not be mentioned. Um, Mention it. Mentioned. Vegas? Yeah. I liked that. I had a good time in Vegas. Everything was great until the last day. Who doesn't have a good time in Vegas? (laughs) Well... A lot of people at that convention did not have a good time. No. That, that convention was, it didn't go off well. It was a trash fire. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was after the interview. I'll explain it to you. I actually had a panel of drama. I went over the whole story of it. It's an it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. The, some highlights are some people got trapped there and they had to pay for their hotel rooms they weren't expecting to and couldn't get home. And the the hotel seized artwork. Is that right? No, that was a no. rumor that people were. Oh, that was a rumor. rumor. Yeah. The whole convention just evaporated on Sunday. It just all, it was just chaos. Oh, yeah. That was a bit of a derailment, sorry. Uh, But we had that conversation about spoiler court. Um, what was your what was your day like when it was announced that Twilight Court happened? I'll never forget it. I was in the I, I did a lot of writing in the Beverly Hills Library because it was far enough away from my house that I wouldn't be tempted to go home, but close enough that it wasn't a big pain. So I did a ton of writing in that library, and I was sitting in the reading room 
and I check Twitter all the time because it's good procrastination. And I just blowing up. And people start sending me that that image, you know, the wings. And this is like a month before the episode. And I was just like, well, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Hasbro. <laughs> Speaking of writing, um, what do you have as a good white noise to writing? I know uh, people have music or someone has a TV on. When it comes to writing, what do you have as a white noise? It depends where it is. I used to be able to um, listen to music, like actual music, but I can't anymore. If there's words that distract me, I can't do it anymore. It's changed. For my book series, um, I have a playlist of the Battlestar Galactica soundtrack, Harry Potter soundtrack, uh, Game of Thrones, just all kind of mixed, Band of Brothers, and I just hit shuffle. And I've been working on it for so long. Some of them are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of plays. And this playlist is 70 hours long or something. It, it's insane. I think we found your fandom. Movie center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just the vibe. I just want to get, the, the, get into the tone of whatever it is I'm writing. For My Little Pony, uh, I don't I don't really have anything on it. I would just sit in my office and do it. Probably just do Aqua. Like, Aqua. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Sometimes I'll put, I have these noise-canceling headphones, just put them on with nothing on. Just wear yeah. them, even in my, my, alone in my office. It's just kind of, I, I feel, I, I, right now, I'm like, all sensory deprivation is good. So I put those on, I have these computer glasses, and, um, you know, clo- yeah, the, they cut the blue light. I get serious headaches staring at a computer screen, so they just cut the blue light out. They really work. If you have any, if you have that problem, you should look into these things. They're awesome. Just personally, have you ever done a sensory deprivation chamber? No, I'd love to do that, dude. There's a place in Pasadena that's oh, really? awesome. Yeah, it's called Just I'd Float. Love to do that. Mm. They have one in uh, Vegas too. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Los Angeles, since you know you're a native and I got another area, uh, what's better, Tommy's or In and Out? I've never been to Tommy's. What? I know it, but I've never been there. Yeah, I know. I gotta do it. If you like like chili and everything, Tommy's. I do like chili. I like In and Out, but I'm not an acolyte like a lot of people are. A lot of the Canadians are like, "Oh my God, In and Out is the greatest thing in the world," and I don't think that. I have a question. Yes. Um, Has there been a uh, like uh, a show or or even a movie of that that you have seen or or followed? You'll be like, and and you're like, "I wish I could have written for that." Oh yeah, I mean everything. What, what, yeah. what, what are your top picks? Sopranos is the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of new to that show. I didn't watch it when it was on. I just watched it like last year. And I was blown away how good it was. I knew it was good, but I never watched it because it was so many seasons and it just felt like such a commitment. And once I started it, I didn't realize how weird it is. Have you guys all seen it? Parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you got to watch the show. It Even now, it's not dated. It's, well, it's slightly dated, but not too badly. Um, not bad enough to damage it. It's just incredible. And there's watching it. I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I could have been in that room when they decided to do this with this character. And it's just an unbelievable show. That's the first one that comes to mind. But most things I watch, I feel like that. Like, I wish I could have done that or I would have done it this way or, you know, that kind of thing. I think you have a fandom of more things than you think. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. (laughs) They just don't have conventions. There's, there's no Sopranos conventions. They, I mean, they, they, I guess, I mean, they, they say that you need to, um, you know, read a lot of books if you want to be good at writing. I mean, you yeah. have to watch a lot of TV shows to be good at, at writing for TV shows. I would think so. Yeah, and read scripts. Read scripts. Yeah. You know what's kind of cool about that is if you're a fan of something and you're watching it, it can feel like such a different world that like I'll never be able to be. The people who do that are over there, and I'll never be able to bridge that gap. But when you look at the script, I'm thinking of the pilot of Game of Thrones because I got the script for that. 
and that's one of those shows where it's like, oh my god, there those people are professionals over there, and I'm over here, and I'll never be over there. And then you look at the script, and it's like, oh, it's just a script, like any other script. It's, it's just Jon Snow on a horse. Like, I could write that. It, it, looking at the script really does kind of um, democratize it. It, it's, it makes you think, oh, I could do that. When you see it produced, you know, Absolutely. it can feel out of reach. And I got to know, do you and Josh Haber still give each other crap? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't see him that much. I saw him a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But mostly at conventions. I think I've seen him twice outside of conventions. Yeah. Because we have a friend in common and we go get a drink. But, <laughs> um, we don't see each other. How from when the show started to 2016 has the social media at all changed? Um, I, don't think I, changed? Got on, I got on Twitter in 2012 or 11. 12. 12. Or very beginning of 13. <laughs> very, yeah. So I wasn't on social media at the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah. And then how has it changed? It's not super interesting, but it's definitely changed. There's, because I didn't work on season six, there's actors who come along who, uh, you know, have Twitter accounts and then everyone's like, oh, this person's great. And I have no idea who they are (laughs) or what character they've played. That's a little weird. Yeah. Um, But it's fun to meet them. Sure. I don't know if it's changed all that much. It's still fun. It's still interactive. There's still crazy people. Oh yeah. As a as a follow up to that, have you have you ever done a, a live tweeting during one of the episodes? No, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I know there are tons of people on the show who do it. I can't stand it. I'm like, I just want to watch the thing. I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you know, go for it. If if they want to do it, that's cool. I have no problem with it, but I would never do that. No. I just want to watch it. Is there a difference? I mean, because I know I've heard of some actors who just won't watch themselves on screen. Do you not have a problem watching something you've written? No, I don't. You love it? Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. I, I do. I watch. I watched an episode. Uh, you know, I do some panels where I deconstruct the script, and I okay. watch an episode I haven't seen in a while, and that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm happy with that. There's other things that are just like, oh my god, I can't believe I wrote that. Um, there's the whole, the whole like. The Return of Harmony, the whole Princess Celestia uh, setup in the in the chamber makes me cringe so hard. Oh, it's yeah? such blatant exposition, and there's no <laughs> art to it at all, and I can't stand it. But there's other things where I'm like, that's really good. I like that. That came out really well. So I don't have a problem with that kind of thing. And I learned a lot, too, honestly. Yeah. I reread my first book about a month ago, and man, that was a great learning experience. So many things like... Don't do that again. <laughs> That's not how you write. <laughs> so we know you're a big Hitchcock, a Hitchcock fan. Yes. Have you ever considered doing a Hitchcock pony episode? Um, Hitchcock yeah, style. That, that would be amazing. I would like a rear that. window kind of thing. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love to do that. Or North by Northwest. There's so many options. <laughs> Lauren, if you're listening, season seven, maybe. <laughs> uh, she has her reasons. Well, kind of in follow-up to that, the only writer left over from season one who's still working on the show, I think, is Polsky or something Polsky, like that. Yeah. Everyone else has left. What's, yeah. what's keeping you guys from coming back? Everyone from the first three seasons. Polsky's the only writer from the first three seasons of the show. Um, this is like, how honest can I be here? <laughs> you can speak for yourself. I mean, yeah, you however honest you want to be. If you don't, if you want to yeah, step that out, I'll, I'll cut game. that. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. props. Yeah, props. Uh, it's changed. It's changed a lot. It's not as fun as it used to be. 
um, for a variety of reasons. Well, I can't speak for everybody else. I mean, a lot of the people just got other jobs. You know, Amy works at Disney now. If it was still how it was in the first and second seasons, I would keep going. The thing is, most shows I've worked on operate how My Little Pony is operating now. How My Little Pony operated at the beginning was totally different than anything else I'd ever worked on. So it only makes sense that it kind of morphed into what all the other shows, how they work. Um, but it was so nice at the beginning. It was so refreshing and strange and it's like, whoa, this is shows work like this. Um, I know a lot of people in other parts of the production had problems that I didn't know about because I was a freelance writer in a different country. <laughs> but um, from my perspective as a writer on the first couple of seasons, it was the best experience I've had. It was awesome. You know, a big thing, and this is just the pragmatic thing, is up until season six, the show is non-union. I worked insane hours story editing the first half of season five while I was losing my health insurance. Um, that's not cool. <laughs> no. It changed. Now it's unionized. Now they did union, unionize it. But it was really weird because Littlest Pet Shop, which is also Hasbro, also DHX, a lot of the same writers, a lot of the same voice, a lot, everything's it's Daniel Ingram, basically the same production. That was union from the beginning, and My Little Pony wasn't. How is that, Why? How I don't is that know. possible? I don't know. I have no idea. It's just a weird anomaly. At risk um, of maybe like rehashing some of the content from earlier, for those of us just tuning in, what was it like for you during those first two seasons? The coolest thing was, you know, I worked as a, I worked at Disney, and essentially you just, you know, you turn something in, and it may end up on the screen or it may not. I had episodes of shows air that I didn't write a word of that had my name on them, written by me, and I just didn't recognize any of it. And I had episodes air that I wrote almost entirely and my name wasn't on it. Somebody else's was because who cares? There's an, in real TV, if you, you know, the credits matter because you get residuals, meaning every time it airs, you get a little bit of money, you get script fees. So if script goes to production with your name on it. You get a chunk of money. We don't get any of that in the animation, kids animation, real uh, adult animation does. So it doesn't really matter. The credits and kids animation don't matter. There's no residuals. There's no, it's just there's nothing so there's no there's no reason to fight about it but it was weird to have it happen and then My Little Pony came along and I would turn my script in I would work with Rob and Lauren to make it better turn it in and then when I saw it air it was even better than what I turned in and that's how it should be right at every stage it should get better the animation when I first saw the animation I was like oh that's what it that's oh that's amazing I was expecting 1980s ponies you know <laughs> it looked beautiful the voices were fantastic these, these got these actors like i've worked with actors who missed the joke you say it a certain way in the joke there's no joke if you say it another way there's a joke there these actors got that and they would hit the right words to make the jokes work the timing on the show is incredible there's people who are timers and that's what they do is just the pacing they nailed it on the show and that's another way you can kill jokes or make jokes is with the timing just every the music, um, every step of the way, it was just better. And it was nice to have my name on an episode where it's like, I did write this. You know, I wrote 95% of that. That was so cool and foreign to me. And uh, that has changed drastically. There's a lot of cooks. I mean, you know, it's a very successful show. So the cooks come into the kitchen and there's a lot more of them in there now than there used to be. 
Um, you was, I saw that you also wrote for um, different companies, um, Disney, um, Cartoon Network. Um, when it comes to stuff like that, like how is it different per company? Like um, say like um, how they either paid you or how they you know like more of the more creative process, like um, creative control, that kind of thing. They all pay the same. They all pay the minimum. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. <laughs> they do. They do. They, we have animation writers have absolutely no leverage. Um, if you try to ask for a raise, they'll say, see you later. Who, who else will do it for the minimum? You know what I mean? There's no leverage whatsoever. Whereas in primetime TV, you can actually say, oh, that person has a lot of talent. That's who I want, and I'll pay you a little bit more. That doesn't doesn't work that way. Kids animation. They'll take, they'd rather take somebody else than pay you more. So they all pay the same. They're all basically the same, but there is little personality differences. Cartoon Network feels a lot more casual. Um, Disney feels a bit more corporate, but it's also still, well, it is more corporate. It also depends what building you're in. Disney has buildings all over the place. The building I was in, we were on the same floor as the lawyers. So it <laughs> kind of naturally felt a little more corporate. <laughs> but it was also super cool to walk past the, this building with the seven dwarves on top. And it's like, oh, I'm in Disney. And there's like ink and paint. And you know what I mean? It's, it was amazing to have that kind of history there Cartoon, Cartoon Network doesn't really have um, Nickelodeon is a lot of fun it's kind of manic in there um, and Hasbro I think they've just moved to a new office but Hasbro was very nondescript it, it was like they were renting space in somebody else's building um, and we didn't have an office there My Little Pony didn't have an office we were in the Pound Puppies office are so the Pound Puppies or new no the new one okay like puppies. They're all kind of the same. They're all basically the same with little differences in um, personality. Disney does treat you really well. They do. You get a lot of perks. Um, and Cartoon Network is very fun. And I would love to actually work at Nickelodeon. I think it would be a really fun place to work. I love how it's laid out. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so they all have their strengths and, you know. I wish I could say one paid more, but <laughs> do the Disney parks include uh, free tickets to Disneyland and stuff? Yes, you get a, oh, you get a right. silver. Wow. It's called a silver pass. That's cool. And I think you can go as much as you want, but it's only you. You have to. I think you get discounted tickets for other people, but you get a silver pass. Um, is there an homage or an Easter egg you've written into an episode that nobody has caught yet? I think I've outed all my own ones. Hmm, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> No. If not, that's. What, I'm sure there are. What was your favorite? Good call. I have a lot of favorites. The one that I, I'm so bummed about because it got cut was that Discord Gala episode. Um, like I said, I had him go dark at the end. He took Tree Hugger and was quite literally going to throw her into another dimension. Um, that wasn't a sock puppet. It was like it, it was a, essentially he was going to kill her. Right, but in a fun, kid-friendly way. <laughs> um, so the smooze goes nuts and starts bubbling up, and everybody gets trapped. And he grabs Tree Hugger and he starts running up the tower, Canterlot Tower, and Fluttershy's chasing him. And it's Vertigo, uh, and they're going up the tower. And she's like, "Discord, stop!" And he goes up to the top. He's like, and he's letting it all out, like never, nothing's going to come between us, kind of thing. Not shipping. No shipping. I don't do that. You guys can do that if you want. I don't do that. Um, and they ended up on the top of this tower with lightning, and it was very Hitchcock dramatic. But it was funny, but it was also kind of, like, intense. Uh, but that got cut. 
So now they're, they're just in the room, you know, in the finale, or not the finale, the climax of the episode. There's no tower chase. It's not Vertigo. Um, so that, there's little ones, like, remember those, this, you guys are probably too young, these Pace Picani sauce commercials from the 80s. New York City. Oh, yeah. You know those? Yeah. There was one um, in the one where Spike gets big, where uh, he goes by and steals all Applejack's apples or something. And the leaves come down and give her a mustache. She's like, Twilight, get my rope. That was from those commercials. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, um, stuff like that. Have, speaking of Discord going dark, did you see one of the San Diego Comic-Con comic cover exclusives? No. It was Discord as David Bowie in Labyrinth. Oh, cool. With Fluttershy in the uh, orb. That's awesome. Yeah, it was It was. Awesome! It's a very cool. That was straight out of the story meeting. Is uh, labyrinth? There was a lot of talk of labyrinth, and those those apple piles are straight out of labyrinth. Um, there was a lot of labyrinth in the conception of that episode. Obviously, and it's not it's not hidden. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense to actually equate him with David Bowie in that. You've you've been able to you know meet the over the course of the conventions. You've met the VAs. Was there ever a point where you wrote something and you're like <laughs> you just kind of <laughs> maniacally because you knew they'd have to perform that? Gosh. Not really anything like that, because there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be any joy for it for me because it's like a year later and they're in another country. I wouldn't even be there to appreciate it. You know what I mean? Um, nothing like that. I really try to. I really do try to personally keep it about the story and not too much about the meta. I know I have this reputation of being like the meta writer, which I'm not. There's a ton of. There's a ton of fandom reference stuff in my episodes that I did not put in there that other people saw along the way put in. Obviously, Slice of Life is an exception. Um, but there's a lot of other episodes where it's like, oh, he's referencing the fandom. I'm like, I, I didn't do that. Somebody else did that. So I try to keep it contained to the episode as much as I can. You know, some other staying, people staying true to the to the show, yeah. The world. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to like mess with a VA if it was natural. Then it would, be, it would be fun to do. Yeah. I would like to do it to Tabitha. <laughs> that would be fun. And speaking of a slice of life, the 100th episode, I remember we interviewed you at EQLA and you said you had plans to do that episode differently. Would you mind elaborating on that? I didn't want to do it at all. Oh, no. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's I, thought, I thought it was a terrible idea. Because um, from my point of view, it was like, who are we to come along and you guys have created personalities, characters for these alternate main six, right? For years. At this point, at that point, it was like five years you guys had created these characters. Who am I to come along and say, nope, that's who you thought Liar was is wrong. Here's who she actually is. That's what it felt like to me, stomping on what you guys have created. And I had multiple meetings with Hasbro. I was like, I think this is a bad idea. Don't want to do this. Um, but strangely, it was the hub, which no longer exists. The hub really drove, the hub was like, this is what we're doing. Um, the hub, and the hub is usually like a non-entity. They would give one or two notes per episode, but not much. They didn't have much to do with it. They kind of stayed back. But on this one, they were like, this is what we're doing. And I tried to talk about it and they, and they wouldn't do it. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I can't use fandom stuff. I have to just kind of come up with my own. And, I, and then there was this Saturday where I was in my office and it was super late. The, the episode was really late. And they were like, where is it? We need it. And I was like, 
okay, I know what to do. Let's stop pretending that this is a regular episode. This is a brony episode. Let's do a brony episode. And I just jammed it with as many references and meta things as I could possibly do. And Amy Keating Rogers had come up with this concept of the wedding as a framing story because it gives you a way to go around the city and you got flowers and food and a venue and guests. There's all these different ways to see ponies through a wedding. Um, so I just took that and made it this really loose structure just as a way to an excuse to go see so-and-so and then to go see so-and-so. Um, and there was so much that got cut out of it. Like for instance, an outline for an average for a normal episode is just a five page word document. Then that times out to about 22 minutes generally. Uh, for the same 22 minutes, my outline for that episode was 10 pages long. Oh wow. So it full of twice as much content. And I sent all these emails, huge emails to DHX, like, do this as fast as you can. This needs to be crazy fast paced, people missing jokes left and right. This has to be batshit insanity. Because <laughs> um, this is the 100th episode, you know? If we're going to do it, let's do it. And I told them, put more in. Put anything you can think of, put it in there. So that's the horse mask, they added that. Jumping the shark, they added that. Um, so and they didn't want to do it either. They didn't like the idea either. But then I think once they started doing it, they kind of got on board too. Um, and it was the I think it was the only episode where I where before it was about to air, I was like, I legitimately don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> 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 this could be absolutely horrible because I didn't see it until you guys saw it. Um, but I thought it came out really well for a concept I didn't even want to do. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that was really I really liked that got cut. That I'm bummed about, but what are you gonna do? It's 22 minutes. Are you allowed to talk about that? That's yeah. I did, I did. It's on YouTube. It's it's extensive. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Make a fan episode. <laughs> Kickstarter that shit. <laughs> there was a, there was a flash century moment I really liked, where Cranky was uh, Cranky was you know scrambling to do something, and Flash was trailing along behind him. He's like, "Come on, I'll wash your car. I'll do this." Um, I'll do this, I'll do that. Why don't you like me? Why doesn't anybody in this town like me? <laughs> it was little jokes like that that, that got cut out. On that note, I've got to get going. I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I Thanks. appreciate it. Thank you. Right? So hopefully you record. I know. And it's it's a podcast without audio is really boring. <laughs> I've tried it. Sounds have so, you? Sounds so bad. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I was, I was like, do you have a podcast? No, I was about this. No, that was me acting. <laughs> um, what's up? Let's. Can we talk about Death Note? Yeah. Do because, you do you want to introduce me, or do you guys have like another intro already? I'm gonna introduce you a little nice, bit. Behind. I, I, I realized like, I only had 15 minutes, and I was like, I don't yeah, want. Dude, I don't want to waste time. No, we're yeah. wasting it right now, dude. No, I'm just this worried is that conversation. People don't know who life. I am. You know. So, dude, if you want to say a few things, no, I'm just saying Vincent Tom. I'm Vincent. He's Tom. the man, not the really. man, the myth, no. the legend. I'm just a guy. I do some stuff, and here I am. All right, Death Note. <laughs> what do you want to know? So I Death just Note. got into Death Note. Yeah, and you played Matsuda. Matsuda. That's right. I, I want to say I just got to the part where he. It was after he faked his death uh-huh. as Misa Misa's manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, like, had a different name too. I forget what it was. Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. My my wife turns me on to the show, right? Turns you on with the show? That's awesome. She turns me on to the show. Oh, okay. That's good. I mean, because killing people doesn't do that for me. No, that's good. <laughs> I mean, hey, to each his own, but that's kind of weird if it did. You know, 
you might want to leave. Yeah, I get probably this, would. Get, get the muscle in here exactly. to like hold me, you know? Exactly. I get it. I get yeah. it. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> no, but so we get to about halfway through, and all of a sudden she's like, I don't want to watch no more. And I'm like, you've seen it. I haven't. How are mm-hmm. you doing this to me? But <laughs> more about you. Okay. Because that's why we're here. Sure. Um, what was that rule like? Like, did you know that you were doing some amazing anime that's um, going to stand I, the test of time? When I auditioned for that show, it was like... I was very green, you know. I was quite the rookie when I when it, when it came to uh, being in the industry. At the time that I was in Vancouver, I didn't. I think I did Sushi Pack. I was doing Sushi Pack. It was my very first pre-lay cartoon, and then um, I think Death Note may have been second. And I auditioned for Light, the lead character, yeah. and I had a. I had a I was like, I don't know if I was on hold or had a callback for that character, but then I ended up getting Matsuda, and um, he was a riot to do because yeah. he he I mean it was like me. He's a bumbling idiot. He's sort of the whipping boy of the the of police the crew, yeah. and uh, I can relate. You know, <laughs> always being like the the dude that screws things up all the time. So it was quite relatable. It was fine for me. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you continue watching, he has a pretty big part in in, uh, in the story. Okay. But, uh, yeah. You can spoil it. I'm a three day rule on spoilers. Oh so, yeah. But but if if you don't want to, then that's well. Fine I'm too. not sure about the 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 listeners either. They know so. I have a three day rule. But no, but I don't want to spoil it for them. It's not just about you, dude. It's about them. If, I, if they're actually listening, <laughs> I might spoil it for them. I'm not worried about you. Come they, on. They know our rules. They know our rules. You got <laughs> you got you got to play to win the game. All right. And the game is played by the rules. Okay, Matsuda kills light. <laughs> Fuck. That just see now I need see? to go home and watch that. Do shit. you though? But you just you now you know the ending. You don't even need to know. You don't even need to watch. No, it. yes I do because I need to know how All do right. we go from where we are right now, <laughs> where I am right now, yes. to that. There is a lot to know. I'm excited now. Yeah. Apparently, my wife hates hates the latter half of the show. She was All like, right. she's just like, after this one character gets killed, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I enough. don't want to watch anymore. And I'm Fair like, right, right, it happens. How did you get started uh, doing voice acting? Um, I did theater for a long time. I did musical theater yeah. for like 12 years. How does that change? Going from theater, live <laughs> audience, new performance every night mm-hmm. to essentially almost pre-recorded mm-hmm. audio. Well, you'll, if you look at voice actors specifically, a lot of them have a musical background. It's because you have to have a good ear to be a voice actor. You have to, if someone gives you a note to go higher or lower or more intense or a bit meeker, you have to be able to react, not only in an acting sense, but tonally. you got to be able to find that within your own vocal cords. So a lot of these <clears throat> voiceover guys are, you know, musicians or can sing. So for me, it was a nice segue into, yeah. uh, into, into voice because I'm used to manipulating my voice, right? For sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Yes, it's a lot less strenuous on the body, but it's a very intense, like, four-hour session sometimes oh, I'm sure. when you're doing uh, voices. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I love musicals, and singing and dancing is a great passion of mine. So, but, yeah, it was Hamilton fun. fan? Huge Hamilton fan. <laughs> I think I'm more of a In the Heights fan. Do you know In the Heights? His is uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's first show, show before. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lights up in Washington Heights. Up. Yeah, it's such a good show. I have no... I, dude, I need to find that. You, I need to get the you love it. If you, if you guys like hip-hop, salsa, R&B, pop, some rap in there, it's, it's got everything. Okay. It's super fun, yeah. 
Awesome. I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah. What are you working on now? Um, I just got a new gig. I don't know if they, I don't think I can talk about it, but um, that was nice, fans. Just say like, <laughs> I got something, but I can't tell you what it is. Uh, I just finished shooting a movie uh, with Lou Diamond Phillips. I don't know if you guys know yeah. who that is. Uh, that was pretty fun. Had a nice. Uh, it's a it's a comedy. It's like a family comedy oh, called nice. Cop and a Half Two. And um, wait a minute. Cop and a half, too. Yeah. As in the Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, that's right. Yeah. So the original one was Burt Reynolds and, and some cute black kid. And now it's a cute uh, white girl <laughs> as the kid, as the half. I think we've taken a step backwards. No. Not at all. No? Not at all. Okay. No. Is the cop no. white? No, the cop is Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, duh. Who is Who is white but Asian as well. And I think he's part uh, uh, First Nations as well. Okay. So... Yeah, it's a plethora. It's a diverse cauldron of of cultures in there. Cop and a half too. Yeah, it was yeah. a fun shoot. It was a nice comedy. I got a yeah. nice fight scene in there too. And yeah, and, and Lou was game, man. Like I, I had a, a stunt double in there that I've been rehearsing the fight with, and it's pretty elaborate. Not elaborate, but it was long. There's a lot of beats. So uh, I was surprised, you know, when Lou was like, "I want to do some." So he came in and he threw down, and and we fought. And uh, he's tough, and he he knows what he's doing. It was nice. good. Yeah. Nice. When's that come out? Uh, I'm not too sure. I think they're still shooting it right now. Okay. Yeah. And the, right. the the girl, the 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 half. Her name is Lulu Wilson. She's in the new Ouija movie. She's really okay. freaky. In that. I mean, I I can't watch scary movies. I've only seen the previews, and she's freaky. But she's a great actress. So yeah. good. Yeah. She she can take direction like that. I'm not a scary movie guy. No, I can't. Like do it. like funny scary movie. Mm-hmm. I can deal with. Yeah. Like scary scary movie. Like rank the ring? No, 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 no way. I don't want. Yeah, I don't the want Conjuring. Look. I heard the Conjuring is amazing, like story wise. But I just, I can't. I won't be able to sleep. Right. I'll need like a snuggle partner. He'll Maybe. volunteer. Oh, okay. I was gonna suggest <laughs> you, but hey, let's. You know, if my wife's cool with it, hey, don't worry about it. I'm there for you. I'm there. <laughs> I am there for you. Thanks, man. <laughs> what are you into when you're not acting, man? Um, I do a lot of. Uh, your stuff. I do stuff. stuff. Yeah, I do okay. like I do like rock climbing. I do like oh. some parkour and stuff. Indoor or outdoor? Uh, or both? I, do, I do indoor mostly just because uh, yeah, it's convenient and I don't have like ropes of my own. I have my own harness, but I have friends that do outdoor that we can you know go out in the summertime. But we have a very limited summertime in Vancouver. A lot of the time. It's raining and you don't want to climb in the rain. So <laughs> that uh, could lead to uh, a disaster. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I do that. I do. Uh, I've done. Uh, I'm doing volleyball right now and uh, do nice. jujitsu and um, yeah. And I see you guys have tough mutter. Dude, we did it headbands. today. Did you really? Yeah. No. It was way. 12 miles in Dallas today. Well done, guys. Thanks, man. Uh, Dude, I I should have worn my Tough Mudder thing. I did it yeah. uh, two years ago. Yeah, no shit here yeah. or where? Uh, no, in Vancouver. No, nice. Yeah, Whistler. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I sh- did the Spartan Spartan race oh. as well. See, I, I stopped doing Spartans. Did they, you? They were a little too competitive because I was more about the camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was always running with people who my goal was to get them more into fitness, like start their journey. Okay. And so just Spartan Race, I found, was not that conducive to that environment mm. just because it's timed and there's prize money. and Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into that either. I just want to finish it. Dude, right? You know? Dude, this, this race took us five hours. Wow. Yeah. I was actually worried I was going to miss a couple of my interviews today because mm. it, was, it took us a lot longer. But the important thing to me is I've done, I've done some before. Yeah. Um, a lot before. Let's not get into that. It's an addiction. <laughs> um, but I was with a lot of newbies, and I didn't want—I didn't want anyone to leave them behind. Nice, because that just totally demoralizes somebody. Sure, when absolutely. your friends just take off because you're 
too slow. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, that's nice, man. So. That's good. Yeah, out of the eight of us, seven of us finished. The other girl, she pushed herself for an extra mile than she should have. We wow. were like, you need to... Sit down. Yeah, you need to call the med tent. Wow, like, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you do it too? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Nice. You guys look so refreshed and relaxed. I literally, <laughs> after Tough Mudder, because I think it was like 19 kilometers... And I was broken. I don't train. I didn't. We called Team No Train. Uh, <laughs> Our team name was We Didn't Train for This. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We could roll together, right? We could totally roll together. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, all of my teammates actually like bailed, except for one dude who had a cast on his arm, oh, and he like wrapped it in like Saran wrap and oh, uh, God. And he and then we met this other straggler, and so just the three of us did it, and we were Team No Train. We didn't train. My legs. I don't work on my legs. I don't run, so they're quite weak. So afterwards, I literally couldn't walk. Oh, I yeah. just had so much pain in my ankles and my feet and my knees. Everything was just in pain. My first Tough mutter was in February 2013. I sprained both my feet. Ugh. Walking for the next week was next to impossible. Oh, jeez. It was ridiculous. Damn. Uh, I'll make you a deal. 2017, I'll come up to Vancouver if you run one with me. Wow. No? I, I can't make any promises. Be, I can never make anyone promises because of my, yeah, my job. Not, yeah, you're scheduled, You know, man. it's like literally I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't. So I can never commit to anything. It's crazy. How, like, how does that affect relationships? If I can ask. <laughs> if you don't want to answer that, it's fine. We'll edit Relationships? I mean, like, yeah. You, you not have, like romantic ones, but just like friendships Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Like, uh, you know, as an actor, you, you go for auditions and sometimes you have gigs but a lot of the times you're just chilling out and, and uh, you know, I'm calling a lot of my friends who have nine to fives like, hey, you, can you do some lunch? Can you hang out for a bit? Can you go for a coffee? And it's you, you lead a bit of a lonelier life, I think. But I mean, you know, you have the payoff of having a really cool job and really fun and invited to convention. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, hang out. it's amazing. So, I mean, yeah, in terms of uh, a regular nine to five, you don't have one. It's a very different schedule. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, when I was doing theater. You know, you're doing shows at night, so you have your days off as well, unless you're doing rehearsals. But, uh, yeah, that's so that's like the – when you're mixing everything in, if you're doing theater and voice, sometimes you're doing voice in the morning, and then you got to jump to your rehearsals, and then you got to show at night. So it can be very tiring. That's got to be hell on your voice. Yeah, sometimes it is. Yeah, I did a show called Peter and the Star Catcher where I played Captain Slank, and he had to speak like this all night. Man, was it hard. Hard. <laughs> I feel like such an asshole making you talk for another 15 oh, minutes on good. a podcast. I'm saving myself, man. This is this is me just like chilling out. Okay. This is the easy one. Is it a coffee or is it tea? Uh, this is coffee. I don't coffee. do tea. You don't do no. tea? Okay. No, it's too weak for me. I need some strong stuff. Espresso. Molto italiano. You guessed it on Arrow. Yeah. How yeah. was that? I was all right. all right. Yeah. It was in and out. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Fast, cheap, and easy. They shoot in Vancouver. They so shoot in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah it was. Uh, it was a. Yeah. It was a very fast experience. It was all right. All right. I'm not a huge fan of the show. So. <laughs> Honestly, me neither. Yeah. I like. I've heard that I need to get into the show. Yeah. Because I'm a giant comic book nerd. But I watched the first season and I, I enjoyed it. But I was like, I need to prioritize other things in my life. Right. Death you know? Note. You know. Death Note. Yeah. My Little Pony. My Little Pony. Yeah. Um, How do you get into uh, uh, martial arts, jujitsu? Um. <clears throat> I did um, Kung Fu when I was a kid. Yeah? I did, like, some um, wushu stuff. Really fancy-looking martial arts that you can't practically hurt anyone with. <laughs> but it looks <laughs> nice. Um, but, I, you know, I'm really into UFC, and I love grappling. And, you know, I tried kickboxing and stuff like that. But I just – I'm a small guy. So when I'm 
doing jujitsu, I feel like I can actually have an upper hand, even if I'm rolling with uh, a bigger opponent, if I have the right technique, you know what I'm saying? So it's all about leverage. It's about using other, it's almost like Tai Chi in a way where you're, you're using other people's momentum and force, you know, to sweep them or get into a better advantage uh, position. I shoot, you know, movies sometimes, so I can't consistently go to, to yeah, class yeah, you're the and sometimes exactly. i hurt myself and like when i was shooting the movie i'm like <laughs> i can't roll and you know because i have to be on screen right so i can't get like a black eye or a broken nose or a cut even right yeah i have scars all over my body after i roll it's just like burst blood vessels everywhere oh, yeah, it's all sure. grappling right right yeah that's crazy yeah super fun though Dude, all the best of luck. Here's if Thanks, there's man. anything I can, um, if you got any projects you want to come on and promote and extend this conversation, I promise I won't make you talk too much. <laughs> uh, you know, you do the nice, calm voice. Right, right, right. It's awesome. good to meet you, man. Thanks, man. Thank Appreciate you so much. It. Thank you. Um, so I think I learned more about you. Oh my god! In so- the 15 minutes yeah. I was overhearing this other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. First, my favorite thing about you right now is yeah. that you're drunk, and I wish I was you. I'm always drunk. That makes me happy. I'm never sober. There's no. No, I haven't been sober since birth. Impressive. My, yeah, my mom had vodka and her breast milk. And you were so talented for, you know, fetal know, alcohol syndrome. I know. This is my mom. I ruined her vagina. <laughs> my really did. It's wrecked. My vagina. This is definitely going to be the explicit so episode. Yeah. yeah. We're really sorry right now. I know, right? Yeah. Seriously. Well, just be glad you weren't at BronyCon when I did the burlesque show. <laughs> I brought, I brought her on stage and my hair get under my skirt. <laughs> we were teaching people how camp works. Yeah, I was teaching people at my camp. Uh, instead of a straight conversion camp, I have gay conversion camp. Making everybody where a I make bit everyone gay. gay because I'm really tired of the heterosexual agenda. Dude, right? I'm tired of it. I mean, they want to get. Oh, here we go. Cold ass fart. Yeah, right, dude. Can I get a Can I get a glass of that as well? You Shit, can just take son. drink it right out of there. I don't care. All right. I, I like will. her. Yeah. Oh yeah. There are paper cups right over there if you want to grab little us cones, some. The little cones. The little fucking cones. Yes. Oh, I'm a fireball. I just want to say, um, this might be my favorite ever podcast recorded. We're here with Jen Blake, um, artist on My Little Pony Friends Forever, at least was, was. transitioning. It was. Yes. Um, what Your latest project, Dress to Kill, yes. correct? Yes. Tell, us, tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so Dress to Kill, the easiest way to describe it is actually, as, we, as I tell many people, it is uh, the movie Die Hard with Lesbians. Um, which is really what Die Hard needed. It really did. Everything needs lesbians. Um, the idea came about. Uh, we were at Babscon. Jeremy Jeremy Whitley, who also has written some of the My Little Pony comics. I don't know. She can't handle no, the she fireball. She can't handle the fireball. Okay. Yeah. So should we take uh, a shot real quick? We can take a shot. Story? All right. Here's to dress to kill. Dress. Woo. To lesbians. So so Jeremy, uh, we did the Friends Forever number sixteen together. He was the writer of that, and um. So we actually met in person for the very first time at BabsCon. And so we went out to dinner on the last night of the con, and we sat there and we're like, hey, you know, Jeremy's like, do you want to work together again? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to work. I'd love your writing. Um, and I'd also, I'm helping out with his, um, he's doing, he's got his own book called Princeless. Okay. Which is about a princess who gets tired of waiting to be saved by men. So she leaves her tower and goes and saves other princesses. That's awesome. So it's, it's more of a family friendly book. And he was doing an anthology for charity, and I did a story in that. 
So through that, he's like, do you still want to work together? And I'm like, yeah, definitely. He's like, well, I've always kind of had this slight idea. He's like, but it's not fully fleshed out. So we went up to his room, and until th- 3 o'clock in the morning, we I was sketching out what the characters would look like. He was coming up with story beats. And we got back from Babscon, and within a month, he had written all 10 issues of Dress to Kill, the That's first awesome. series. And I've just recently finished um, the first issue. Our anchor has finished inking the first issue. Uh, looks like we've got Heather Breckel, who colors the My Little Pony comics, is going to color dress to kill. So it's really coming along. I'm really excited about it because it's it's 18 plus, which you know, with my personality, with who I am, with those who know me, <laughs> I think the people who've listened to the first three minutes of this podcast yes, know what I'm about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's where I fit, you know. I mean, I love doing the My Little Pony comics, but unfortunately, you know, you've got Hasbro, like, you know, you can't do this. There's, sure. there's no one telling us what to do. Okay. We get to do whatever we want. I mean, it's amazing. Do you have a publisher-distributor lined up? Not yet. Not yet. Um, um, what, basically, when you do a comic book, uh, you, sub, you what your best is you have a script, like a writer, and you submit 10 to 15 pages of sequential art. It's even better if your inker has inked something and your colorist has colored it so you have a, more of an idea of what that publisher will see from us. Um, now that we're getting closer to that, we have better options. Um, I know we have ideas. Um, there's one I'd really like, and you know, it's uh, called Black Mask. Um, it's a great publisher. They're very great with LGBT. A lot of their books are LGBT friendly. Um, I think that'd be a great place for us to, to have our book because we are very much wanting to push that as what this book is. Um, We've looked at, I think we believe we looked at Image or some other publishers. Obviously, it's not something we would do Marvel or DC, that kind of thing, because then they'd own it, and, and God don't. only knows what they would do to that. <laughs> so, cause, well, because Marvel might make a really great movie, they may DC make a great movie, but might make a piece of shit movie. But if they make it a show, which someone has already thought, no one understands what Dress to Kill is this weekend. He's like, well, how many episodes is the season? Is it an hour long show? I'm like. Yes, it's an hour long, and Jennifer Lawrence plays the main character. <laughs> just, just fucked with him for about an hour. <laughs> You're like my favorite. <laughs> you oh. make bad life decisions. <laughs> if I'm your favorite, agreed. Mm-hmm. I ha- I I haven't had anything to eat since yesterday so around drinking. seven. So just keep drinking. I know, right? Oh, you that's how I do no. it. Are you good? Oh. He's my driver. He's oh, my okay, driver. Okay, he's you, my driver. You need to stop then. Yeah, he had one. Was, okay, oh. yeah, that's all he can have. No. Now he needs a salad. Um, I, I feel like Marvel has actually progressed a little bit on LGBT issues. No, 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 Marvel. Uh, I, see, no, I'm not. I'm not an insider. Okay. I'm. I'm not a big comic book guy. I love okay. my comic books, and I'm getting right. more into them now. But I'm more into independent stuff, which I'll is pro- way better. I'll probably be into Dress to Kill. Yeah. A buddy of mine just published The Electric Sublime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know. I'm actually a big fan of Saga. Saga, I think. So. Oh, I mean, Saga's amazing. So oh, good. my God. Uh, Fiona B- Staples. Just, BK, BKV is... Yes, Brian K. Vaughn is the shit. Um, I read Pride of Baghdad. Oh, my God, right? Balled my fucking eyes right? out. Yeah, I was just like... That's just feels all around. Oh, no. And and my wife was like, oh, I want to read it. I was like, no, you don't. No, you, don't, no, you no, really don't. you no. don't, honey. You no. are going to stay far, far away from no. this one. No. So, so please, like, I, I honestly want to know. Please okay. enlighten me. Now, I, look, I'm, I'm going to shoot my foot because this means I'm never going to work marvel which i'm okay with that because i hate marvel um but i will say jeremy is working at marvel now and he's the only reason i will buy marvel books okay because he will push diversity he will push characters of color um lgbt and he's doing unstoppable wasp which comes out in january which i recommend highly because jeremy just he's he's the one writer you can 
always depend on is going to bring something that's not just, oh, it's a white superhero or it's Captain America being a Nazi now. Um, <laughs> well, they do have LGBT characters. But are they, they just not written very well? They're, one, they're not written very, very well because you always have a guy writing a lesbian character, which I'm sorry to say, they don't really get it. Whereas if you look at this... <laughs> I wish we had video on that one. That was fucking brilliant. Whereas if you look at DC, they have Batwoman. Mm -hmm. You take that name, you put a bat in front of any name, you've already got viewers, you've already got readers, and Batwoman is one of the best openly lesbian superheroes there is. And it's great that she's got her own book again after they did the whole, after New 52, and now they've got Rebirth. But Marvel, this is just me, I, I really feel they fail when it comes to really pushing the LGBT characters. I feel like they'll announce a character like America Chavez, um, Miss America. She's a lesbian. But they'll push her and then they'll pull back like, oh, what are people going to do? Like she's just – she's been around I want to say five years and she's just now getting an ongoing. But the question is how much are they going to let her be who she is and not do the Marvel thing and be like, yeah, she's gay but we're never going to talk about that. And okay. that's the problem I feel. Even DC can have the same problems, but I feel Marvel, in a way, is a little bit worse. And I think they really need to work on it and show superheroes the way the world is now. There are gay people. There are bi characters. Trans what? characters. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked <laughs> as you are. But, you know, they, we need to see this because you know, growing up, these kids growing up now don't have superheroes that represent them. And we need that. They, well, they really do. I, mean, I grew up a straight white male. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, wait, no. wait, you're straight, Scoop? Yeah. Huh. So I, I mean, if Trump's elected, I won't have a problem. Fuck you. I, <laughs> I never had an issue relating to a superhero. Right. And since then, growing up and enlightening myself, like, I, I get that there have not, you know... There weren't always the Luke Cages. There no. weren't always the LGBT superheroes. No. And so, hey, I'm super glad that you're filling that void because I definitely think we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years when being out has been more socially acceptable yes. um, in certain places. I don't know if Dallas is one of those places. Um, probably not. I'll probably get shot later by a grassy knoll. And I'll put an axe out so I can get a selfie next to it. What's up with that, by the way? Why is there an X where he got shot and people are taking selfies? What is that? Why? Fucking millennials. That's all I can <laughs> say. You. And I know. Thank I you. know I'm going to fucking alienate because only millennials listen to podcasts. <laughs> Bunch of hipsters. <laughs> um, no. Let's take another shot. Yeah. While we're doing this. Um, well, you know, you look at the fact that uh, the writer of Wonder Woman just finally came out and said what everyone's always known for years, Wonder Woman's queer. Oh, yeah. Because think about it. She grew up on an island of women, of course. But to them, there's no lesbianism. It's just that's... It's just that's what you do. Because there's all women. You're going to have romantic relationships. Okay. No one's coming. No, no, no. I just... I'm I'm making Uh, sure that my battery doesn't die. All right. First, um, I take it, given his fucking Trump stance that yeah. we're we're all we're, we're all with her we're all with Bernie no <laughs> yeah was, you and I this was gonna derail really quickly I'm I'm a huge Bernie bro would Who is love it? for yeah. him to get we the were, nomination but, I'm but you know what Hillary. now we're with Hillary I'm with Hillary like like granted I, I, I am yeah, a nap I try <laughs> not to get political and everyone has their own views so if but you're the gonna Trump people are wrong fuck Trump the Trump people are wrong let's yeah. be honest 
It's all about Hillary and her pantsuits. <laughs> oh my god, did you hear her at the charity dinner? No. Oh my god, her shit was awesome. It was a formal dinner, and she's like, I see all of you are in tuxedos, or as I like to call them, formal pantsuits. <laughs> oh, she, she's such she a dyke. She was so fun. I think she's gorgeous. She is. I love her. I, I love Hillary. If Oh, my God. So you have been parading as Ashley Ball this entire I have convention. Been. I have been parading. Was she supposed to be here? And no, you, no. 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 Um, so my first meeting of Ashley was at Cider Fest last year. And everyone dared me because I actually moderated the VA panel. Because they're like, Jen, you want to do this? I'm like, well, that's a bad idea. But sure. Because <laughs> uh, my friend Peter, because Peter New and I are actually pretty close. And he's my buddy. And um, everyone dared me like, hey, when you introduce Ashley, introduce her as the voice of the best background pony. So – I did. So uh, on the on you know I was like, and next coming up because I introduced Peter and I was like, and next up is the voice of your favorite background pony, Ashley Ball, and she had never heard that joke until that day, <laughs> and she comes out and mouths to me, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I'm thinking, I have just ruined a friendship right here. And luckily, we you know we've hit it off, and you know I wouldn't I don't know if we're friends, but we get along. And so I've just decided it would be funny to just be Ashley Ball all weekend, just just for fun. I applaud that. And actually, and it's really, but it's really sad that people actually think I am Ashley Ball. Voice actors don't get no love. I know, but she was in the Brony Tale. You think they would know what she looks like a little bit? But you know, they think I'm Ashley. And I do feel bad for the one girl who showed me her Rainbow Dash drawing that she did. She's like, "Will you sign this?" and you know, I didn't sign. sign. I didn't sign Ashley. I signed a Jen because I'm not going to do that to Ashley. But it's been pretty funny. The few people who are like Ashley and I do my 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 best Applejack impression. Let's hear it. It's me. How you doing, Sugar Cubes? It's me, Applejack. <laughs> I love my brother Big Mac a lot. That's inappropriate. That's getting that's, that's inappropriate. <laughs> that's getting near clopping. That's inappropriate. <laughs> We're not allowed to draw that at IDW. And nor you should. No, no That's, one should. No one um, should. I, f- I have a commission that I feel is kind of close to clop this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, my my uh, plus one is with me, not her, my other friend. She's like, I think this guy's going to masturbate to this drawing later. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say that. You're okay. Wow. On a Kinsey scale, you are all the way. <laughs> I'm going all the way. Like, to, to dry heave <laughs> at, at a masturbation well, joke. It, it, so literally, the commission is actually a pony, but it has breasts. And I'm like, has he seen a horse before? They don't have they the boobies. They don't have the boobies. We got to ramp up a little bit. Okay. All right. <laughs> and now we're just all talking in our Applejack voice. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to do Applejack now. Mm, or Jack yep. Apple. <laughs> Jack Apple. Oh, there we got Fluttershy now here. Come on, Flutter. Come on, Flutter. Just say yay for us. I said say yay, motherfucker. <laughs> I might make that my text message notification. Say yay, motherfucker. <laughs> I will um, happily say that in your phone for you. It has been such a pleasure talking yes, to you. Been, you are yes, such a wonderful oh, person. Thank you. I love you. Aww. Like, Aw, you're an idiot. Not in that way. Oh, I want to support you any way I can oh, well, um, with future endeavors and with Dress to Kill. So if there's even if it's just a tweet or anything yeah. I can do, please keep me posted on what's Definitely, going on with Dress yeah. to Kill. Definitely. Um, one, of, one of my mottos at my podcast is I like supporting awesome people doing awesome shit. Um, so if there's anything I can ever do for you, oh, please let you. me know. Thank you. Yeah, as far as when Dress to Kill gets closer, please podcast that shit, you know? Dude, we'll get you on. Send All me right. I just followed you on Twitter. Okay. So... You, not Ashley Ball. 
Well, great. <laughs> Here wow. goes one last follower for me. Yep. It's like I'm never going to be famous. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.